RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. We are on location today in Jason's studio. Jason, what do we call this place? Is it the uh, is it still Dignitary Studios? Okay. We are here at uh, Dignitary Studios. Took a little field trip. Got away from the uh, Lawfather studio for today. And, uh, you know, as always, please like, subscribe, and review this podcast. And follow all of the social media. Just check out at the Lawfather, and that'll get you to all of the social media. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, takes you to all of them. So lots of things going on in the lawyer world right now. Uh, We'll start with the fact that over the past three days, Monday, Tuesday, and today is Wednesday, there have been about about 50,000 lawsuits filed uh, in the state of Florida, uh, 36,000 of which were filed on Tuesday. Uh, to put that in a little bit of perspective, uh, the Friday before this, there were 4,500 lawsuits filed. So really significant amount of lawsuits filed. And why do we care? Why is that big news? Who cares about that? Other, who cares about that other than attorneys? Well, the reality is everybody who lives in the state of Florida should be concerned with that for one really important reason. And the reason is this. If you are injured in in anything that involves somebody else, so what we would call somebody else's negligence, okay? Think of a a car accident. Think of a slip and fall. Um, I don't believe medical malpractice is going to uh, fall under this, but uh, a dog bites you. Anything that falls under the umbrella of personal injury law, okay, you're going to be affected by it. And it's it's a really, it's a pretty significant uh, effect that it's going to have. And, and it's it's unlike anything that I've really ever seen because it this thing, this original House bill was filed February 15th, okay, February 15th, 2023. It's expected to be signed this week and Today is, I believe, the 22nd. Yeah, today is the 22nd, okay? March 22nd. Just over a month's time, and this bill is expected to be signed this week, and some of it is expected to take effect this week, right? So typically in Florida, bills take effect in July or January, okay? So July of the current year, so most bills that are passed in the legislative session this year, right now in 2023, will become law and take effect July 1st, 2023, or January 1st, 2024. That's the normal progression of the way bills happen, right? And and, and how bills become law, right? And, and I've talked about it on the show before. Laws are created by bills that are voted on in the House and the Senate. Now, each bill is, is is its own separate entity, okay? So you'll have House bill, and the House bill will have specific wording, and it'll get voted on. And then, if it, and it can originate in either in in either side, right? It can originate either in the House or it can originate in the Senate. This one originated in the House. The House has already voted on it. They voted yes for these changes. It's now with the Senate. The Senate will read it. They'll read it a second time. Any amendments 
that are requested will be made, they'll be voted on, and then it'll be read a third time, and it is after that third reading that we will find out whether or not it's going to become law. Now, in the normal pro- in the normal projection of things, it goes from either the House or the Senate, then to the opposite one, and then if it passes both of those, it goes to the governor to sign. Here's the key, right? There's a supermajority Republican in the House, so or House and Senate in the in the legislature. The reality is anything that they want to pass, even if the governor were to veto it, most likely it still passes because of that supermajority. Okay. So kind of an important thing to understand. Can a governor veto a bill? Yes, they can. And how it works. So it goes goes through House, Senate, and then normally the governor just signs off on it and it becomes law. Um, or they veto it lesser times uh, and you know, then it doesn't become law. But in this instance, it still could become law, okay? So what are we looking at here? What, why is this such a big deal, okay? Uh, those of you who may be familiar with Medicaid, okay? So you have Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare, uh, the simplest way to think about it, if we boil it down to its easiest way to describe it, Medicare is for those 65 and up, and it's healthcare for those 65 and up. Medicaid has to do with uh, uh, economic status, for, for lack of a better term, right? Um, it, it's essentially government subsidized or government paid for healthcare, okay? Now, anytime you're talking about healthcare or, or, or a health insurance, right? Whether it's private insurance, whether it's Medicare, or whether it's Medicaid, right? Now, Medicare and Medicaid are, are federally regulated, okay? So there, there are cost codes, there are billing codes that the doctors can, can bill off of. And Medicare says, we will pay you X number of dollars for this billing code. So if you go in and a doctor puts stitches in your arm, there is a billing code that says, you know, billing code one, two, three is stitches in the arm. And that is worth X number of dollars. That's worth, say, $10. Okay. We'll use that as Let's stick with this. Medicare would pay $10 for that, let's say. These are made up numbers. Medicare might pay $10 for three stitches in the arm. Private health and health insurance might pay, say, $20 for stitches in the arm. Same billing code, same everything, okay? Medicaid, on the other hand, is probably going to pay about $5, okay? And, and, and don't focus on those ratios and those exact numbers. It's illustrative, Medicaid pays less than what Medicare does, okay? Both of those pay less than what private health insurance does. All three of those pay less than if you didn't have insurance and you walked into the door of the doctor and go, I want to pay cash because I don't have insurance, but I still want you to see me because you are the best doctor for me. That doctor's going to charge you more than they would charge private health insurance, more than Medicare would pay them back and more than Medicaid would pay them back, okay? Those concepts are really important for us to know and recognize and understand because here is what this bill says, one of the pieces, right? There's several pieces to this bill. And one of them is that if you you do not have or the doctor does not accept health insurance, Okay, and and some personal injury doctors don't accept health insurance. I'll get to that in a second. But if there's no health insurance involved, 
and there's no Medicare involved, then medical bills are capped at 140% of the Medicaid rate. Okay. That is really, very, really, very, very low. Okay. There's now a lot of doctors that won't see injured people as a result of that, right? Because the Medicaid rates are so low and they're talking about paying 140% of that. Why doesn't this make any sense? Well, here's one reason why it doesn't make any sense. And this seems really elementary and common sense to me, but we have a thing called PIP here in Florida, personal injury protection. And that is our no fault, right? That is that quote unquote, no fault that you may have heard of that. If you're in a car accident, your insurance pays the first 10,000 of your medical bills. Well, they pay back at a rate of 200% of Medicare. So in one sense, we're going to have a law that says, well, medical bills are capped at 140% of Medicaid. But then we have another law that says, well, but PIP's going to pay back at 200% of Medicare, right? Now, we don't have a final version of the bill yet because it's still being voted on. Uh, when I started the podcast today, the bill had been re- the House bill had been received by the Senate, but the Senate hadn't hadn't done anything with it yet. Uh, we fully expect that that'll be done uh, and and gone through the readings and everything that needs to be done. If it's not done by the time you're listening to this, it, it should be done very very shortly after, right? Then we'll know the exact parameters. But the parameters that have stuck all the way through is that cap on the medical bills. Right now, why is that really a big deal? Right? Because you go, well, use your health insurance, right? Why don't these doctors, they should all take health insurance and everybody should have health insurance. Okay. You know, fair point. That's, you know, that is, uh, you know, that is one of those things that is legitimate to ask. It, it, it really is. But having done personal injury law for 10 years, having dealt with different types of doctors over that amount of time. The reality is, the practicality is this. Most of your primary care doctors won't see car accident patients. They just won't. You could have gone to your primary for 20 years, have health insurance, the whole nine, and they won't see you. Now, a little bit of a broad generalization because some will, but from my experience, a lot won't. Okay. I know I have a friend who's a doctor at a group here in Tampa. And they, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're surgeons, right? They're, they're surgeons here. They won't see auto accident cases. They just won't. Okay. That's not what they do. Uh, but they accept health insurance. Okay. But if you've been in a car accident, they won't see you. So how does that work? So then where do you turn, right? You've been in a car accident and now all of a sudden you have, Groups of doctors who won't see you at all because you've been in a car accident, right? Which that in and of itself may have caught, created this industry of doctors who essentially specialize in car accident cases. But at the same time, don't you want a doctor who specializes in a certain field, right? So, you know, and not just a certain field, but, you know, if put it like this, an orthopedic surgeon who deals with knees, okay, they're not all created equal, right? You could have orthopedic surgeons who focus on the sports injury side of, of knees, right? ACL tears, MCL tears, repairing those. Then you can have the other end of the spectrum where you have orthopedic surgeons who all they focus on are, broad generalization, 
older people who need knee replacements, right? Because normally it's it's older people who need knee replacements, not younger people. There are exceptions, but they, and they focus on that one specific thing. So if I'm in a car accident and I have injuries that are because of a car accident, don't I want to see a doctor who specializes in car accident injuries? Might that be in my best interest? But now all of a sudden, that doctor is going to go out of business because they can't get paid an amount that actually, you know, pays all their staff, pays, oh, I don't know, malpractice insurance, right? I mean, those of you who have ever talked to any doctors might know that their malpractice insurance is insanely high, okay? Um, so that's one part of it. Another part of it is Florida is going to change from, we are currently a, a comparative negligence state. And what that means is you can be 99% at fault for your, for your injuries, and you can collect off that 1%. How often does that happen in that extreme of a scenario? Hardly ever. Okay, it just doesn't. It, 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 I've ten years doing this. I've had it happen one time. Okay, and it was, it was really the person's injuries were really very very bad. Um, so you're talking a, a lot of cases uh, at any one time. I have about 250 cases. Multiply that over ten years. I've, I've seen a lot of cases, seen a lot of things, and I've had that happen one time. One time where I looked at it and go. Okay, this actually makes sense because a lot of times it doesn't make sense to do anything because you're talking that 1% is so is such minimal amounts, right? That it's not even worth the discussion. But what they want to change it to is if you're 51% or more at fault for your crash or for your injuries, it doesn't have to be a car crash, but for, for your injuries, you collect zero, zero dollars, 51% or more. Now, there are plenty of other states that do this, and, and I believe in one of the subcommittee hearings, it's somewhere around 33, okay? Um, and they touted that as a big deal, like, hey, there's 33 other states. Yeah, but there's 50, and half of 50 is 25. So we're just over half, and, and we're, we're going, yeah, everybody else is doing this, but we're just over half. Anyway. Um, here, here's the key, right? And somewhere in between all of this time, I, I was in the parking lot of my office, and I'm there's... I, I swear, I, I work off of the most dangerous road in, in Tampa, Rome Avenue. It's a little two-lane road, and it's a block long in this one spot. But I swear to you, people I, they drive about 40 miles an hour on that road. There's cars parked on either side. And, you know, good luck if you're trying to cross the street. That's for sure. And, and I'm watching this car trying to cross Platt Street. Coming out, There's an apartment complex. We're trying to come out. There's a car on Rome trying to go left on the Platt. Stop signs on either direction, right? And I'm watching the, the one come out of the apartment complex to, uh, she was going straight and the other car was turning left. Well, the one coming straight had come, come, come all the way through. She was, gosh, she had almost, almost got onto Rome. And then the guy decides to turn left, okay? Now, if I look at it, right? And I watched this happen right then and there. And, and I had already known about this bill coming through. So I started thinking about, I go, well, Who's more at fault for that? Who's 51% or more at fault for that crash? I go, I don't know. I could make an argument for either side to be more than 50, 51% or more at fault. And this is me seeing it happen. Like literally I was close enough that I was, I was, I was actually talking to somebody on the phone and I was watching this happen. And I go to myself, where do I run to, right? Where do I go to get out of the way in case this car comes 
where I am, that's how close it was. Okay. So it's not like I saw it from a distance. I, you know, I may have been 25 yards from it. I was not far. And I look and go, I couldn't tell you. I watch it happen. I couldn't tell you. And we're going to rely on eyewitness testimony. If there are any hardly ever happens in car accidents, hardly ever happens actually in, in most of the negligence cases. Eyewitness testimony is terrible. It's the worst form of testimony. It really is. Um, you can look it up. I, I believe the FBI has done studies on it, actually. Um, so we're going to rely on eyewitness testimony. And, oh, by the way, from testimony from something that's happened a year and a half, two years ago. Okay? And we're going to rely on that. We're saying that's a better model than our comparative negligence at 99 that you can be 99% at fault and collect on the one, right? I mean, look, we don't really see that 99 to one really happen, right? It's usually more like 60, 40 that we're talking about. So great. We're going to accomplish that. Now what's the next thing? Well, right now we have a statute of limitation of four years. And what that means is in a negligence case, so slip and fall, motor vehicle accident, that type of thing, you have four years to file a lawsuit. They're going to make that two. Okay, so what's that going to do? What's the not not really a huge impact? Here's what it's going to mean. It means that I'm going to file more file more lawsuits. Why? Because I have a shorter time frame. There are there are a decent amount of cases. And we try to get our cases done in nine to twelve months. Okay, but sometimes they go a little bit longer. And with a four year statute of limitations, I can push year year and a half, and it's fine. But with a two year statute of limitations, I get past a year. And I'm most likely going to file a lawsuit because I don't want to miss that statute of limitations because what happens is, is I can't file a lawsuit after that time. That's what that means. Okay. So two years after the incident happened, I wouldn't be able to file a lawsuit and my client would be out and my client would sue me for malpractice. So that's why I look at it and go, okay, you know what? We're going to file. We, we file about six to eight months before the statute of limitations runs if we get to that point. So we're going to file a lot more cases. Now, why are they doing this? Well, there's the rumor version. Um, it may have some credibility, may not. Jason, can I, can I do rumors or does that? Okay. All right. So rumors. I, I, can, do, I can do whatever. Jason said I can do whatever I want. Okay. Um, Ron just. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ronnie. Ronnie D. Don't, don't sue me. Don't sue me for libel or slander because this is just what I've heard. Um, I don't know it to be true. Might not be true. Could be true. Could be false. This is the rumor on the street. Word on the street. You heard it right here. Ink is not even here for the word on the street. But anyway, that the insurance companies have paid a significant amount of money to the Republican Party for some unnamed Republican to run for president who happens to be a Republican in the state of Florida. I don't know. That's just the rumor. I I, I don't make the news. I am... I am a journalist for this. I have not confirmed my sources. I don't know. Okay. But that's the rumor. Okay. And it makes sense because who is all of this going to help? All of these changes will help the insurance companies. Right. And and the idea being that, and, and they're doing it under the guise of let's stop frivolous lawsuits. Well, they've now created a scenario. We're going to be filing more lawsuits right? Where more lawsuits in the last three days have been filed than probably in an entire month's time, most months. Okay. Um, I, I just, I don't see how 
we f- we are stopping lawsuits from happening. Look, if the insurance companies paid what they were supposed to pay at the outset, I wouldn't I wouldn't be practicing personal injury law. You know why? There wouldn't be a need for personal injury lawyers. I would be practicing some other type of law. Okay. So to say, hey, all these lawsuits are frivolous, that's a that's kind of a cop out. Okay. So let, let's put that one off to the side. Look, if we, if if they really wanted to, if the if the state legislature really wanted to help the insurance companies and, and, and if their true goal, right, was to help Floridians to not pay as high a premiums, right? And to to stop these attorney fee provisions. Okay, because look, in a personal injury case, there is there are very few ways. There there are ways, okay, but it's it's more the exception than the rule that the insurance company pays the attorney fees. Okay. It just doesn't, it's not a common thing. You have to go all the way through trial. And then if there's certain things that's called the demand for judgment, if you do that, then there can be a way that they have to pay your attorney fees. Okay. So we're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 98% of all personal injury litigation, right? Probably about 99 to 99 and a half percent of all personal injury claims as a whole, including those that don't go into litigation are not the insurance companies not paying attorney fees, right? Those attorney fees are being paid by the client out of the settlement. Okay. That's how that works. And, and, and they're doing it under this guise of, of, of stopping that. Well, if you wanted to stop it and they didn't really ask me my opinion, but because I have a podcast, I'm going to share my opinion because, you know, there's about three of you who listen to the podcast and, you know, a couple more that listen to the live. All right. I, I, I will share how you fix that. Get rid of personal injury protection. Personal injury protection leads to a lot of lawsuits because the insurance companies will look at it and go, I'm not paying that doctor that amount because of they don't believe that procedure actually happened or it's not it's the billing code's not correct or a bunch of different reasons, right? Or or this actually happens. Sometimes they put it through a computer system and the computer system spits out the wrong uh, payment amount and and then they pay it short. They don't pay enough. And then that doctor files a lawsuit. We're talking, you could legitimately file a lawsuit in a PIP case over one penny, one penny. And you know what happens? Lawsuit gets filed and then the insurance company has to pay attorney fees. So for that one penny, there can actually be, there's actually a significant amount of cases that happen where the insurance company pays out attorney fees to the doctor's attorney for $2,500, $3,000. And it goes up from there. Okay, and it can legitimately be over one penny. You want to fix the system. You want to fix what you might consider a frivolous lawsuit. You want to fix this, hey, attorney fee provisions. Get rid of PIP. Get rid of personal injury protection coverage. Okay, make us a mandatory bodily injury state. We are one of two states. So you want to talk about being, you know, one of the, there's 33 states that are contributory negligence. And we're one of whatever the remainder of that number is. I'm not good at math, but it's, it's less than 25. I know that. Okay. You want to tell that as, as the group you want to be in, we are one of two, two states, two states that don't require bodily injury coverage that don't require you to carry coverage in case you hurt somebody. Okay. You want to fix something, get rid of that no fault and personal injury protection. All right. Make us a mandatory bodily injury state, 25,000 and up. That's generally what happens. Bodily injury of $25,000. Okay. So 
just think too, all these hospitals out there. Do you think hospitals? You know, how many crashes do you see that you go, oh God, that looks bad. Somebody goes away in an ambulance, goes to the hospital. They're going to be taking 140% of Medicaid. All right. You think they're going to be happy about that? What do you think is going to happen to the care there? It's already hard enough. All right. So something to think about. If you live in Florida, you're listening to this. You might want to call your legislature. You might want to do it sooner rather than later. Okay. So take a look at that. And that's actually why the podcast, Jason and I normally record it in my office on Mondays. We're recording it at his studio on a Wednesday because I'm such a nice guy and I wanted to make his life easier. But because all day Monday, we filed lawsuits. All day Tuesday, we filed lawsuits. Most of the day today, we filed lawsuits. Okay. So that we could have as many of our clients as possible fall under the old law and not the new law. Okay. So that's, that's that side of it. Uh, let, let's, let's jump into, what do you think, Jason, the little pop culture? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's do a little pop culture. And uh, those of you who are familiar with Bad Bunny. Uh, I don't even think you necessarily have to be in the Spanish music to know who Bad Bunny is because, um, well, I can tell you I don't listen to any Spanish music because I don't listen to that because I don't speak Spanish. Um, I, I mean, I enjoy the beats, right? I, I enjoyed that part of it, but no idea what they're saying. I mean, they could be calling me a big fat dummy and I would have no idea. Uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, I played baseball. Um, in college. So, you know, I played with a lot of Spanish guys. So, uh, but it's been a while. So some of that Spanish has just kind of gone away. Um, but anyway, he's being sued for $40 million, $40 million for this right here. Now take a listen to that. And, and you tell me, is that worth $40 million? Here's some of the stats on it. There's over 350, it's, he's used that in two songs, right? The one you just heard and another one. Well over 350 million YouTube views, well over 280 million Spotify views or Spotify listens. You're not really viewing it on Spotify. I suppose you could, you could look at your phone and you can see the picture, right? Um, so yes, that's a significant amount of people. Is that worth $40 million? Right? So Here's what, here's what happened. This is an ex-girlfriend. She recorded some video. Now, what's unclear to us is she recorded the video. So how does he get the video? It, I, I haven't seen anything that, that talks about that. It, he recorded her surreptitiously, right, without her, her knowing about it. From everything I can tell, it doesn't specifically say this, but from what I can tell, sometimes you got to read between the lines, that she recorded this and gave it to him. Okay. And then he used it. And, uh, you know, she recorded it before he became famous. So maybe she gave it to him before he became famous and then decided to use it. Or, I mean, this was, I think, 2007 that she, that she did this and gave it to him somewhere in that time frame. Maybe she even said, here, you can use this, right? It took him a little while to use it. Uh, I think 17 was the first time it was used in a song. And then, what was it, 20 or 22 that, was, that it was used next, somewhere in that vicinity. But she's suing him for $40 million. He had offered her 2000 I think 2000 is is the right price for that. So, you know, just keep that in mind. Here's what she's saying. She's worried that, that him using the song has called her, caused her worry, angu- anguish. She's felt intimidated and anxious. Really? That's what you're going with? So, hey, keep in mind next time you use somebody's uh, recordings in your songs, those of you out there who are recording artists. But anyway, um, for more on that, check out Hip Hop Study Hall. Oh, it's not Hip Hop Study Hall anymore. Oh, 
check out Hip Hop Study Hall with Eakin um, for all things on how to learn hip hop and uh, not just hip hop. Uh, he calls it Hip Hop Study Hall, but um, you know, for all things music. But anyway, um, this was not meant to be a plug for his show, but I, I do think it's you know for those of you who are artists out there, really important to to get and learn and understand that because you don't know when things like this are going to pop up, right? That the bigger you get, the more of a target that you get put on your back. And I, I think that's what's going on here with Bad Bunny. Um, so, you know, look, if, if you're recording somebody, you need to get their their permission, right? In some, actually, some states, well, in Florida, you need permission from both parties. So if you're going to record somebody, hey, uh, I'm going to record this, okay? Okay, fine. You can record that, right? And uh, you get that on the recording, and then you're, you're all good. You can use it. Some states actually allow one side of the conversation to approve the recording. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll go figure how that works. If I want to record you, I'm... I can do it because, hey, I authorize it. But anyway, um, do, do keep that in mind when, when you are recording. It, it can actually have serious consequences, uh, especially if you then go and use it in music. But, you know, this is something to just keep an eye on. It'll be interesting to see. It probably goes away quietly uh, for a significant amount of money, but probably not $40 million. But, hey, $40 million gets, high, gets headlines, right? Just ask Tiger Woods' ex-girlfriend who is suing him as well. So maybe we'll jump into that sometime. I don't. I don't really know how the heck she's suing him for something that he said at some point about living there for five years. But anyway, it must be a really nice house. Man, Tiger, get your crap together. Anyway, this is the Lawfather podcast. I would say, as always, from Lawfather Studios. But we are here in Jason Studios at the Dignitary, the Dignitary Cafe. Okay? Now, for all your kava needs, right here. Right here. Behind me. Behind this wall. But anyway, I digress. Check out all the social media. Lawfather out.